Well, we're going to jump into the word. We love the Bible around here. Hope that's okay. Even if it's not, I have the microphone. So that's what you're going to get. All right, let's pray. I know you're like praying and yeah, we believe in prayer. We like that. So you're going to pray uh, for the speaker today. That's what you're going to pray for. All right. Now let's pray for the word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your written word. Thank you, God, for what you said to all people for all time. And God, we ask you today to speak to us in this time. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to this room. Holy Spirit, we wish that you would be pleased today. Not that you would be grieved or neglected, Lord, but that you would be pleased. Holy Spirit, we say, breathe on this word. Come on. Breathe on this word and show us exactly where we are to go. Thank you for guiding us in your ways. And we bless today's speaker. We thank you for him. He is just wonderful. And we are so grateful to have him today. I'm giving you things to pray. We just love him. And we're thankful for him. Bless him, Lord. This is for you, not for me. Bless him, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we're in a series called Can We Be Friends? And this is actually part four, but all of it's on our YouTube channel. And this is going to be the end of the series. We'll be going into new things over the summer and into the next months. But we're just feeling this focus on friendships and family. And we had our family dinner last night. It was so good. Uh, had a time of testimony. It was powerful and met some new people. It's just beautiful. So don't don't miss those. Every last Saturday, we have dinner here at 6 o'clock. It's a potluck style. And you don't miss it. Come to the table if you're in town. And we just had one last night. It was awesome. And I always, every single week, I do not want to say true things. I want to speak the truth. Okay? There's a difference between just saying things that are true and speaking the truth. Because truth is a person. Truth is a person named Jesus. Okay, truth is a person who's living and active and speaking something. You know, it says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know that verse? Well, it also could be translated double-mouthed sword, two-mouthed sword. It's the Greek word for double-mouthed, all right? And it's not like a forked tongue. It's two mouths. So it's a word from his mouth in your mouth. Speaking it, that's what cuts. That's what divides. That's what divides between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. So I'm always praying every single week, Lord, what are you saying to these people right now? The people who will be here, the people that are watching on live stream, everyone watching in our micro sites. I just, I want a word from the Lord for you. And I want you to contextualize it that way because, you know, this is, what, this is a true thing I'm about to tell you and it would be good anytime, but it's not just a good anytime true thing. It's the word of the Lord. I believe that. I was in here praying. I like to pray in the dark. It's a little weird, um, but I really enjoy it. I like to walk in here when it's dark and no one else is in the building. And I just pray. And I was saying, Lord, what are you saying? And I just, I literally paced until the Lord spoke to me. And it was just quiet for a little while. And I'm just like, that's okay. I usually just sit there and wait. And he said to me, tell them their differences are their strengths. Your differences are your strengths. Our differences are our strengths. And I don't have to look far in the Bible to prove that that's the heart of God for his people. 
I don't have to look very far at all. We can actually go to Luke 6 really quick. Luke 6, 12 through 16. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when, he, when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. So you need to get this. There's a lot of disciples. There were 12 apostles, right? Capital A, apostles. Apostles of the Lamb is what these are called, okay? Those who are sent out, those who are leading, even amongst the group of the disciples, okay? And it lists them. It says, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, how does this support that our differences are our strengths? Every single one of those guys' names just there are really different. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to give you a little snapshot, okay? So if you're taking notes, take them fast, all right? We're going to talk through those names real quick. Peter. Everybody knows Peter, right? He was the guy who was the loudmouth. He would say it. He's that guy who would just say it. Overly bold, always sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, getting into trouble, but sometimes hitting it right on the head and sometimes missing it. You know, he was the one that the other, the other 11 pushed to the front and said, Peter, tell him. Peter will say it. Peter will ask him, you know? <laughs> And there's evidence often when Peter's doing dumb stuff, there's evidence in the text. Many scholars think it was actually the other 11's idea, but none of them are brave enough to ask God about it or ask Jesus. So it's like, Peter will ask, give it, Peter, ask him. He's like, okay. You know, and one of those people that just, they just kind of don't care. They just kind of ask every question. They just go everywhere. You know, any friends like that? I know someone like that, you know. He denied Jesus three times, and about 53 days later, he preached, and 3,000 came to the Lord. So this guy is, like, all over the place, you know? Seriously, in the garden, he tried to lop off a guy's head. He got the ear with a sword, cut his ear off, and then 53-ish days later, he's leading 3,000 to Jesus. I mean, this guy's a live wire, you know what I'm saying? He was a fisherman. And he was Andrew's older brother. Andrew was living in his older brother's shadow. Anybody know anyone like that? Living in your family or friend's shadow, feeling like you get passed over. You know, think, just imagine being Peter's brother. You know, it's like a lot. Sometimes you're like, yeah. Other times you're like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's like Peter's talking and we'll see how this goes. You know, he was, Andrew was actually one of John the disciples disciple, John the Baptist disciple, sorry. So John the Baptist had disciples. And then one day he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew, which is one of John's disciples, followed Jesus, left John and followed Jesus. Peter and Andrew were actually direct competitors in business to James and John. They were all fishermen. Okay. So Peter and Andrew work in the family business fishing. And then James and John, sons of Zebedee, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. They were direct competitors. Now, imagine Jesus coming to you if you run a business, own a business, saying, hey, yeah, you two, competing business people. Yeah, you're going to close your businesses. We're going to start a nonprofit together. How about it? <laughs> Literally, what happened? Follow me. They laid down their nets. They followed him. John is known as John the Beloved. You know, he wrote the book of Revelation. Philip, Philip is the guy who, when Jesus called him, he immediately went and got Nathaniel and brought him to meet the Lord. You know, you know, those friends who can't do anything alone, like they cannot do anything by themselves. It's just impossible. They will not eat at a restaurant by themselves. Like Pastor Jimmy, he's really weird like that. He just won't do it. He won't do it. I like it. I like it. I, 
You know, those people, like, they have to be in a group. If they're doing it, they're in a group. This is my wife, by the way. She's like, if she's doing something, we are doing something. You know, when she makes plans for her, we are making plans for us. That's how it happens, okay? Just, that's the way. That's Philip there. And then there's Bartholomew, who was obviously very quiet, because we know nothing about him. Bartholomew is one of the most obscure disciples, apostles. There's literally very, there's very little written about him. We don't know much of anything. So Bartholomew is the guy who's sitting in the, you know, amongst the miracles, all stuff, saying absolutely nothing, looking around, keeping his mouth shut, just going like, wow, this is great. (laughs) Some of y'all are Bartholomew in here every weekend, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. Come on. Is this helping anybody? You're like, oh, I'm following the Lord. I'm an apostle of the Lamb, and I'm just going to sit here. There's nothing written about him. He's so obscure. He's obviously kept to himself. Didn't make a ruckus. You know anybody about like this? Yeah? No? Yes? Okay. I hope, I'm hoping you're seeing a theme here. These dudes are very diverse, right? Then there's Matthew. Oh, Matthew. Levi. Yeah. Matthew was a tax collector who worked for the occupiers. He worked for Rome. He was a Jew who was, he, he would have been seen as a traitor. He's stealing money. He's taking money from the people for the people who killed their brothers and sisters and stuff. Think about that. This is way worse than the IRS, you know, way worse. This dude would have been hated by the other 11. Hated, not disliked, hated. In fact, Paul said, if someone refuses to repent and come back into the fold, treat him like a tax collector. Don't eat with him. Ignore him. Shut him out. That's what they thought of tax collectors. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus is like, hey, Matthew, come on. And the others are like, what? You can't invite that guy? He steals from us. He's like, I know. (laughs) He's coming. Then there's Thomas, who people call doubting Thomas because he doubted once. Imagine if you were called doubting Jim because you doubted once. Once. We don't call him denying Peter. He denied him three times, you know? What's up with that? I call him tenacious Thomas because he wanted his own encounter with the Lord. He didn't want to believe off of someone else's word. He was like, I'm going to put my fingers in the holes in his hand or else I won't believe. I need my own personal encounter. I call him tenacious Thomas. I can hear Thomas in the in the cloud going, thank you, Caleb. (laughs) Finally, 2000 years. They called something I'm not. He's in the cloud of witnesses, you know? Come on. The man was martyred for Jesus, and you're calling him Doubting Thomas. Because he doubted. How many of you have doubted? My hand's up. Okay. All right. Case closed. James, son of Alphaeus. Well, let me back up. Thomas, you know those people who are like, the testimonies are great, but I'm going to get my own. You know those people? They're so hungry. They're like, I need to have like a face-to-face, like hit me, Holy Ghost, bang, pop me. You know those people? Yeah, that's Thomas. Anyway, James, son of Alphaeus. There's a lot of confusion about who this guy actually is. Everyone is split. The, the court is out on this. They don't know who this guy is. So that's really all I have for you on that. Then there's Simon the Zealot. <laughs> Simon the Zealot possibly belonged to a sect of Judaism that intended to bring the Messiah's reign by force and bloody revolution. Okay. Think about this, all right? 
Simon the Zealot gets in the group. He's like, all right, you got a sword. You got a sword. What else we got? We're doing this thing. There's the Messiah. His mindset is we're going to take Rome down. Here we go. Guerrilla warfare style. That's the mindset he came in. And Jesus was like, yeah, that guy's coming. He's going to hang out with us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Bloody revolution. You know, those people who are like literally up in arms about elections and political things. They're zealous. Yeah. They're invited into the kingdom. They're invited to follow Jesus, to be an apostle of the Lamb. That church is too political. Mm, might be. Maybe not. All right. Judas, son of James. He was also known as Jude and Thaddeus. Lots of scholars are split on what to call this guy. He's got multiple names. Nickname guy. I don't know. And then there's Judas Iscariot who was a thief and betrayed Jesus to the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus is God, amen? I need a lot a bigger amen every time I say that. Jesus is God, amen? Okay. God gave a thief the money bag. And God gave Judas charge of the finances. He was the treasurer, knowing he was stealing. Now, how, how, much, how many of you would trust me if I'm like, let's find someone with felony thief charges, you know? Let's make him the CFO of the resting place. Let's put him on the counting team. I want only thieves on the counting team. You'd be like, I'm out of here. No way. But that's what Jesus did. Just showing you the diversity here. Jesus put these 12 guys in a group and said, you're going to do life together with me. He wasn't intimidated by their differences. He puts them, put them together on purpose. He knew their differences would strengthen them, not weaken them. Amen? So you need friends that are different than you in order to be strengthened in the call of God on your life. If everybody is like you, it might just be that you like you. If all of your friends are exactly like you, you might just really like you. You might not be walking in kingdom relationships if everyone was like you. Listen, if everybody who came here had long hair, an Amish-looking beard, was under 120 pounds, we wouldn't be advancing the kingdom. We'd be starting a cult, okay? That's what a cult is like. I'm glad I'm the only one that's, like, vying for the Jesus role in the play every year. I, I like that. <laughs> Sam Cabrera is actually a better candidate than I am, if you know him. Seriously, that would be really weird. Y'all start wearing wigs, you know? strange but somehow in the church we're like come as you are but leave as we are the church historically is like oh yeah come in any way you want but you better put on the suit and the tie and you better leave looking like the pastor I'm glad I look like this because none of y'all are trying this <laughs> Just not. Yeah? It's important. You need friends that are different than you in order to be strengthened in the call of God on your life. The question is, do you have friends that are different than you? You know? It'll tell you something. Listen to Proverbs 27, 17, popular verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Iron sharpening iron? That's not patty cake, y'all. Okay? That sends sparks flying. All right? It's a violent moment. 
Our friends that are different than us are actually sent by God to knock off our rough edges. And if you never have friends who are different than you, if you never have friends who rub you the wrong way, then you will remain dull. And you will not be sharpened in the call of God in your life. This is the design of God. Don't you see it in the 12 apostles? It's the design of God. I'll put these, these 12 together. They're going to sharpen each other. And the disciples were fighting all the time. Read the, read the Gospels. Always getting in arguments, saying who's the greatest, all this stuff. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go to church. There's a lot of infighting and arguments and things like that. It's tough. Yeah, you know what kind of people go to church? People. <laughs> you know what kind of people God uses? People. God uses imperfect people because that's the only kind of people he's got. God uses imperfect churches because that's the only kind of church he's got. Our differences don't weaken us. They strengthen us. I'll tell you why. Because God wants unity, not sameness. God wants unity over sameness. It's not about being the same. If it were, everybody who came to Jesus would have had to go through a certain regimen. But they had conversations about this in the early church. Listen to this. Galatians 2, 1 through 3. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He didn't even force Titus to become like the rest of his Jewish friends. Listen to this. It says, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and, and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. He's saying he went to Peter, James, John. He went to the guys who walked with Jesus. It's like, is this right? Is this good? Do you agree with what I'm teaching? That's what he just said, okay? And he says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Listen, that's the suit and tie of that day. That's the cultural marking of whether you're in or you're out. All right, that's a big deal. You, that doesn't mean much to you, right? But to, in that day, you got to understand, that was literally, oh yeah, you're accepted now. You're a part of the family of God because you got circumcised. And Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, did not force his Greek friend to become Jewish to follow the Lamb. You need to get this principle. The unity of the Spirit actually requires the diversity of the saints. The unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. It doesn't include the diversity. It requires it. It is a requirement of the family of God that we are diverse. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. I'm going to read that again. Just as the body is one and has many members, like your eyes, your nose, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet, right? And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. If we are the body of Christ, we have to be diverse. Mm. So, sorry, having a side conversation with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> My bad, not really. Some people think you can't evangelize because you're not the guy on the street corner. Think of the evangelist as the finger, okay, pointing the way to the Lord. What about the hand? What about the wrist? What about the arm, the elbow, shoulder, the connecting tissues? What if you're supposed to be at your house praying for the finger and you're evangelizing the world? 
a finger on its own floating around, that's just like, that's a crime scene. An arm flapping in the wind, an evangelist not connected to the body because they're not accepted. What if you're supposed to be the, the arm that supports that sends? What if you're supposed to get words of knowledge from heaven for where the evangelist should go and you don't even leave the building, but they're going? Like, what if we rethought the whole function of the church through the lens of us being different? Like, are you leading people to the Lord? What do you mean by that? Are you making them pray the prayer? I can't even find the prayer in the Bible, so. What prayer are you talking about? Which one? Yeah. That was free, all of that. <laughs> when we are different, but together, we're one. Listen to this. This is the kingdom truth. When we are different, but together, we're one. The unity of the spirit is not about doing the same thing. It's about doing everything with the same heart. It's about doing all things from the same posture, the same spirit. Amen? When we're together, but different, we are one. This is even true of churches. This isn't just true of individuals. It's true of churches. Okay? Because there are many gates for the one way. There are many gates for the one way. The 12 gates of the New Jerusalem actually represent 12 anointing and 12 tribes. 12 anointings and 12 tribes. The church really needs to get this. We need to see ourselves as a part of the New Jerusalem. Each church operating a different gate. We have to get this. Last week, 30 churches came together on one field and worshiped King Jesus. That's amazing. 34 people were baptized last week. Come on. Come on. That's revival. I don't know what else you call it. There was no guest speaker. There was no star of the show. Just King Jesus. That's all it was. We worshiped him. We prayed. We had communion. We left. We left different. I left different. I don't know about you. And there were people on that field that would never attend the resting place twice. <laughs> I can't, man, it's live stream. Um. Yeah, I'm going to say it. There are people on that field who said the resting place shouldn't exist at one point. And we hugged. There are people on that field who walked up to me and repented to me for thinking I was prideful, having never met me, never having a conversation. They saw a live stream. They're like, that guy's arrogant. And the Lord wrecked them in that field. They hit their knees weeping and crying. They came to me weeping saying, I'm so sorry. I accused you. It, it wasn't true. I don't know anything about you. But the Lord showed me I was wrong. When reconciliation, people are weeping, washing each other's feet. People from church splits coming together and forgiving one another. So many stories like that coming off that field. It's when we honor the gate they operate that we actually become the new Jerusalem. <laughs> Listen, I, I would love to ruin your eschatology. It's one of my joys in life. All right? <laughs> your view of the end times is what I mean. All right. You're not going to the New Jerusalem. You're becoming the New Jerusalem. Jesus said it this way. You are a city on a hill. John wrote this in Revelation 21. Are you ready? It says, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Say that with me. Coming down out of heaven from God. We think we're going to heaven. No, no, no. Heaven's coming here. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the earth is going away, what will the meek inherit? The meek shall inherit the earth. Or Jesus is a liar. You choose. I love doing that to you. It's so much fun. The holy city Jerusalem coming down of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had great, a great high wall with 12 gates, say 12 gates at the gates, 12 angels. And at the, on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundation of the New Jerusalem are 12 people. <laughs> this is a, the New Jerusalem is a people, not a place. And you and I are seated in heavenly places right now. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. Why? So that we can bring the kingdoms to the earth. Coming out of heaven from God. I believe Jesus is coming again in bodily return, just so you know. That, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying we've misunderstood that in a really grave way. Heaven's coming to earth. We're not getting earth to heaven. Hello? Are you okay? I know your brain is like, huh? Listen, I'm going to one day see in full what I know in part. One day I'll transfer from here into the cloud, I'll throw off this bodily tent and be fully known. I will know even as I'm fully known. Amen. When that which is perfect comes, all that I will experience all these things. Yeah. But for me to say I'm going to heaven is an unbelieving statement because I'm already there. I know I'm not mad at you for using those phrase. I'm just saying Jesus did not come to the earth, die, rise again just to get us out of here. He came to the earth to get him into here, him into you, so that you can be a living gateway, so our churches can be gates for the way. And there are many gates for the one way. We're to open our gates that the king of glory might come in. Come in where? To the earth. We're supposed to make this place look like his place so that he wants to come. Okay. The point is, we can't hope to be the new Jerusalem and all operate one gate. We cannot hope for the whole church to be like that one really popular church. You know, if they're singing it, we're singing it. If they're preaching it, we're preaching it. No, there are many gates for the one way. We need the church down the street just as much as we need this church. Amen. I'll say amen. amen. Or I will preach for the next two hours till I feel your amen. <laughs> Listen to me. We need the church you left. We need those pastors, those shepherds. You might, you were maybe not called to operate that gate with them, and that's okay. That doesn't mean they should be gone. Are you with me? Listen, abide. Pastor Gio, the one of the main churches we partnered with for Together, that guy operates a completely different gate than I do. He's a Levite, right? He's a prayer room guy. He will spend 10 hours in the prayer room. I'm in for 10 minutes and I've got direction and I'm leaving to do stuff. And he's just sitting there. All right. He'll say to me, Caleb, you need to pray more. And I'll say, you need to do something. <laughs> and we're both right. We're both right. We're both correct. He operates a different gate. We're Judah. Just so you know, we're a high praise, entrepreneurial, go first, pioneer gates. 
That's what the resting place is. It's not saying if you don't have like a business or whatever, it's, you're not involved. I'm saying this house is going to pioneer new things. We're going to start things that were not started before. We're going to build kings. We're going to put people in place. We're going to affect our city. We're going to see homelessness eradicated. We're going to see those things. You understand? That doesn't make our gate better than the prayer gate. And if they stop praying, we stop being effective. If we stop working, they got nothing to pray for. I'm not saying they're doing nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying we operate different gates. Oh, that I might be a doorkeeper at the house of the Lord. Yeah, a gatekeeper. That's why some people love this church, but they would never come here. They never call it their own because, you know, we got people in the front row freaking them out. <laughs> They're too Bartholomew for us, you know. You know, there's those that are going, whoa, ah, and there are those who are going, whoa, whoa, and they're in this room right now. Some of you every week are like, oh, just focus on the Lord, focus on the Lord, focus on the Lord. I hope they don't come this way. And that's totally okay. Listen, my dad, I love the Buccaneers, all right, just telling you, and we've, I'll tell you a couple stories real quick. I love the Buccaneers. I grew up on the Buccaneers. I'm a third generation Tampa native. We're going for two bowls. Just prophesying now. Here we go. Going for two. Yes, sir. Yeah, come on. What's happening? And my dad and I are very different, okay? When the Buccaneers score a touchdown, I'm taking laps around the neighborhood with a flag, okay? My dad does the one clap. But he likes the Bucks. He does the one clap. I'm like, yeah, you know? And he's like, and he's not bored. He's enjoying the time with his son. Our differences are our strengths, y'all. Listen, Jimmy Borrego is one of my best friends. He could care less about sports ball. Oh, you're watching the sports ball again. Okay. Yeah. They're throwing a pig around? I don't get it. You know, he's like, whatever. Did you know Jimmy is a full-blooded Mexican? He's 100% Mexicano. I'm white. It's one of my best friends we're talking about. Okay, I'm 115 pounds soaking wet. He could take on almost anybody in this room, you know. <laughs> We're different, and we strengthen each other. He thinks first about the heart. I think about the hands. We need each other. Imagine, only Jimmy, no Caleb, you know, it's just about the heart. We don't get anything done. Only Caleb, no Jimmy, your heart, whatever, do something. Doesn't make me wrong or uncaring or bad. It means I, that's my anointing. That's my unique. I inspire people to action, you know? And then he cares for them and hugs them and kisses them and stuff. And I'm like, go. <laughs> well, our multiple campuses, we didn't even try to do it. Jimmy and Gigi run this campus. They're very different than me. We have a, a full blooded Korean running Wesley Chapel, the campus pastor, Pastor Eric Sue. Pastor Abraham is Puerto Rican, it's a bilingual campus. And I'm white. You know, I mean, we are diverse, and we didn't try to be. We're just building the kingdom, and God is making it happen because our differences are our strengths. This is how the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to the earth. The multiple gates link arms. So I'm going to operate my gate. You operate yours. Amen? It's not sameness. It's unity. You might feel like in this room or on the live stream, you might feel like you've never fit in anywhere. Much less church, right? Much less the family of God. 
But today I have an invitation for you. Today you're invited to be yourself and bring yourself to the Lord. The Lord made you unique on purpose. The Lord gave you your personality on purpose. When we come into the kingdom, we lay down the things that are not of the king, but we don't become the same. We don't become all the same. We retain our uniqueness because that's what God wants to use to open the gates for his glory. Amen. So important. So today you can be what's called the Bible calls accepted in the beloved. It's one of the best feelings ever. I know I'm accepted, so I don't care. You can reject me. Doesn't matter. I'm accepted by God. I know that in my spirit. I got that as a gift. It's called salvation. I know that deep down. So really, you can reject me. It's, it's okay. I'm fine. I will be fine. Do you know how solid that feels? I'm not just saying words to you like I mean those words. Like, it's okay. I got haters, y'all. I call them the Facebook police. <laughs> I got people in my family who theologically would label me a heretic. Family members. And I love them. We have dinner. We just don't talk about Jesus because be a fist bite. <laughs> you know? Is that shocking? Because the church needs to get with the program here. Many gates. Diverse. Unity of the spirit requires the diversity of the saints. Being accepted in the beloved means you can know that you are loved. Deep down inside, you can know you are loved. By the power of the spirit of God, you can know you're accepted. So would you stand? We're going to have our prayer team come forward. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, without Jesus, we're like walking around saying, looking for our people, right? Without Jesus, we're like, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? We're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, the world that's acting a fool and doing stuff, they're not doing it alone. They're doing it in groups. Why? Because everybody's looking for acceptance. Everybody is needing that. Amen? That's the truth. So today, I want you to hear this. I wrote it down because I really believe this is what the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord's saying today. I want you in my family. You don't have to be like everyone else. I made you unique on purpose. And there is room in my kingdom for your gifts and your personality. There is room in his kingdom for your gifts and personality. Today, if you want to be accepted into the family of God and know for sure that you're accepted by God, all you have to do is choose to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That he came to the earth, lived a perfect life. He died and rose again so that you can be accepted. Listen, he's calling you as you are, not as you're acting, but as you are. He sees your identity. He sees you are. It's not about saying, oh, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. No, you got to turn from some stuff, right? God is not pleased with you hurting the children of the earth. With you doing wrong things. God is not pleased with that, but he's pleased with you, with your design, with your, your DNA, with who he's called you to be. So today, at the end of this gathering, that's what these people are down here for. And you can start a conversation. And I do not want you to leave here if you do not know you're accepted in the beloved. If you're unsure of that, just come down and say, I want to know for sure I'm accepted in the beloved. And this team has faith for you. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll love on you. Amen?
If you need healing in your bodies or any type of agreement, they'll also help you with that as well. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to welcome up uh, India in just a second, but let's pray. Come on up, India. Yeah, She's going to close the gathering, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have accepted us, that you've called us to be your own, that you have called us to be your own. Lord, I pray right now that no one would leave this room or no one would log off the live stream without knowing they're accepted in the beloved. Lord Jesus, we ask you to do this by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Welcome, India. She's going to close the gathering for us. Give it up for her. She's amazing. <laughs>